This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Well, we're back. And in these next few moments that we have together, I want to encourage you to plant your life in Jesus and in the body of Christ. We believe that as you do that, you are going to flourish. As a reminder, if you want to follow along with us in the book as we walk through this series together, you can go to our website, courageouschurch.com slash flourish, where we've posted a link to where you can actually purchase your own copy of the book. And I'm telling you, if you haven't done that yet, get this book. It will enrich your life. If you have your Bibles with you today, go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 92. We're going to begin there right in verse 12, and we're going to read through verse 14 from the NKJV, and here's what it says. The righteous flourish like a palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. We believe this. We believe that God has created you to flourish, to thrive, to grow, to advance, to overcome, to prosper, to be blessed. We also believe that all healthy things grow and that God wants you to be healthy in your soul. And that includes your physical and your emotional and your spiritual life. Because the truth is, it's all connected, isn't it? And in addition to our inner life, we're called to be healthy and committed with our outer life, meaning with each other. And that's where I want to lead us in our time together today. Today we're going to continue our series with a message I'm calling Flourish in Community. Flourish in Community. I want to talk to you about the importance of community and why as the body of Christ, the church, that's all of us, it's so important that we do life together. To begin, what is community? Well, we hear that buzzword a lot in our world, don't we? It's used in relation to organizations and committees, different religious groups, clubs, associations, our neighborhoods, and so forth. But what is it? What is community? Let's look at Webster's Dictionary definition. It says this, community is defined as a unified body of individuals or people with common interests living in a particular area together. The word itself, community, is a combination of two words, common and unity, meaning together as one. And we see evidence or support of this definition all throughout the scriptures. From a Christian Orthodox perspective, God as a divine being or deity reveals himself to be three in one or triune. Sometimes people use this terminology or point to the doctrine of the Trinity to describe this phenomenon. And what we see and know from scripture is that God is in himself a perfect community. He's one in three persons or using our definition today, he is together as one. And as people made in his image and likeness, you and I were created to reflect this reality in who we are as individuals, but even more so when we come together as one. As Christians, we believe this is most commonly expressed through the church. All sorts of different people from different backgrounds and tribes and tongues and cultures and preferences and ethnicities all coming together to express our oneness in Christ Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Much like our time today, Paul was writing to people steeped in a culture of diverse divisions and classes and ideologies and philosophies and worldviews. And people even within the church were fighting over their differences and being divided by those seeking to exploit them and cause even more division by their own actions. Sound familiar? Sure it does. You could say that the church or the community of God has always been under this kind of attack. And we see this today, don't we? Social media has become the great agitator of worlds and is pitting people against each other. And to this point, I want to caution us. I believe that we can be a people of conviction, of clarity, and have a voice, yes, to speak up for what we think and believe is right. But let's be careful that in doing so, we don't go on the attack against people for whom Jesus also died and gave his life. Just this week, and to use my own self as an example, I got sucked into debating with other believers and pastors within our own network over the issue of governmental encroachment and what it looks like to actually love your neighbors well. And I can tell you, without going into all the details after a long and lengthy debate, neither of us were really all that willing or inclined to change our minds or position on the matter. Of course, I was polite and kind, but I really felt the Lord ask me this question after a few days. What did you actually accomplish in all of that? Truth be told, I had to stop and really think about it for a while. Because the truth is, many times in our desire to be right, we end up defending our rightness or what we perceive to be the case. And in doing so, we risk endangering the greater effort that God is undoubtedly calling us to, which is to be together as one. And that is what we're seeing right now in our culture, a real struggle over unity, to find our common unity with each other, to find common ground. And for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, well, we know what our common ground is. It's him. It's Jesus. It's the cross. It's the resurrection. It's the church. Yes, I believe we should be able to reason together. Come on. I believe that there should be room for different voices and opinions at the table. We can have different opinions or even outlooks on things, and that's actually healthy. So don't be bullied or deceived because unity does not equal uniformity. Can I say that again? Unity does not equal uniformity. I made that point a couple weeks ago, but I think it bears repeating today because unity, as I wrote about on Facebook, often involves holding together two opposite ends that are nothing alike. Here's the big idea. Here's the point. We can be different and we can think differently and still come together as one because God has designed and created you to flourish in community. Amen? So let's flesh this out a little bit today. If you have your Bibles with you, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. I'll be reading from the ESV. And here's what it says. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. I want to key on, on a few aspects of this passage before we go any further. It says here in verse 5 that we are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. 
Did you know that when God looks at you and he looks at me, he sees building material? He sees living stones. He also sees a great big spiritual house that you and I get to be just a small piece or fragment of. To provide an illustration to you today, when I was a kid, I used to love to work on puzzles. My grandparents would buy me all these different kinds of puzzles to work on, and there I would sit in their house, oftentimes during my summer nights, trying my best to put it all together. As a creative person, or at least I consider myself to be, I've often been drawn to the idea of bringing order out of chaos, and I've spent a lot of my adult life even creating systems and trying to organize thoughts and ideas in ways that people can understand and relate to. I suppose I'm trying to do that right now. But if you've ever worked on a puzzle, it can be frustrating and even challenging. You, you know that when you begin with the pieces dumped out all over the floor or the table, you can't really see the whole picture, can you? Well, unless of course you're cheating by looking at the box. <laughs> and so you have to work diligently at figuring out how all these different puzzle pieces fit together. It involves a lot of trial and error. You start by trying to fit different shapes together, and when they don't fit the way you want them to, you don't just throw them out, no. You don't try to force them to fit either, no. That's silliness. That's actually where we get the saying, you don't force a square peg into a round hole from, because it doesn't work, does it? The only thing, hear me on this, the only thing that I believe works is when you bring pieces that actually fit together as one. And in the same way, I believe that's what God does when he looks at the world. As a master designer and builder and architect, he sees all sorts of different pieces. Pieces with all different and unique edges. Pieces that come in different shapes and sizes. Some are big, some are small. Some fit better toward the top, others toward the bottom. Some belong in the middle. And some are corner pieces that hold the whole thing together. In his grand and infinite wisdom, God knows exactly how all these different and unique pieces can come together as one. That's the amazing thing about God. And that's what he's doing with us right now. He's bringing us into a oneness of unity with each other and with Christ, the cornerstone, the, the corner piece of the puzzle that is holding it all together. Isn't that good? He's taking us as what Peter here calls living stones, and he's bringing us together and fitting us according to the big picture of what he's fashioning in and through his beloved son, Jesus. He's doing this so that we can be a part of his spiritual house, the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, the community of the redeemed, the place where he desires to live in us and among us and with us forever. And that is some major good news. And so I want to say this to you today. You are a beautiful piece of his grand design. Don't believe otherwise. If you have placed your hope and your faith in Jesus, then you are a living stone, not dead, but alive. You are also holy, as 1 Peter 2 declares here, meaning that you're set apart and chosen for this particular reason, to present your life as a living sacrifice and display of praise. In other words, he wants you to be a trophy of his miraculous and marvelous grace. To those of you out there wrestling with this today, wrestling with yourself and others and perhaps even God, if you would only entrust your heart and your soul and your plans and your dreams to him, he can take what seemingly does not fit out in the world and bring you into perfect harmony with yourself and with his son Jesus who loves you and died for you and now lives to make intercession for you, which is just a fancy way of saying that you're on his heart and he's praying for you. 
To press this imagery even more, you and I are living stones that he's still crafting and shaping and smoothening. Did I just make up a word? Yes, I did. <laughs> he's fitting us and finding the perfect place for us within the grand design of his beautiful work called the church, meaning that you can't survive or thrive or even flourish on your own. A puzzle piece all by itself has little to no value. A puzzle piece lost even or, or left all alone is cut off from the big picture. It doesn't work. It's not very functional. In fact, it's kind of weird. But that's exactly how our lives look when they're cut off from community. We have a hard time finding our purpose or value. We're lonely. We're not very functional. We don't flourish. And if left to ourselves long enough, we're going to get a little weird. How many of you know some people like that? Come on. <laughs> Hear my heart on this. God wants you to flourish in community. That's how he's best designed your life to function and thrive in him. So what typically stands in the way of that, of you and I flourishing in community? Well, the simple answer is we do, right? People do. But let's look a little closer at what that actually means. When we talk about community or even the church, for most people, many different pictures come to mind. Some of them are good. Some of them, well, not so good. As Christ followers, we need to look at the scriptures to help us with what it means to be the church and to do life together in community. To do that, let's look at what we see here in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people." And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Now, in my opinion, this is perhaps the best starting point for what it means to be the church and to do life together in community. And it's amazing what we see here in the book of Acts and all throughout what's happening with the church at this time. The Holy Spirit is being poured out and believers are all together in one place, in one accord. They are devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, which is this Mutual participation in and partnership with each other in the work of God. The gospel is being preached and demonstrated with power. Fear and awe is falling on everyone. Miracles, uh, signs, wonders are happening. People are sharing what they have and selling their possessions and belongings to take care of any needs among them. How awesome is that? They're meeting in the temple to gather and coming together in homes to share meals and to take communion. And perhaps the greatest kicker of all, people are being saved. God was adding to their numbers daily. That's right, daily. Those who were coming to a saving knowledge of his son Jesus. And as a result, the church was exploding in growth. In other words, it was flourishing. And there's so much here that I'd love to preach on, trust me. But I want to say this, I believe we are living in a time right now 
where we are seeing this happen again. And I, I want to both challenge you and encourage you that regardless of what COVID-19 has done, regardless of what the government has elected to do, regardless of how you might even feel, God is on the move. The church is alive and well, and people are being saved all over the world. One of the reasons why we have a hard time believing this is because we're not personally experiencing it or seeing it. But make no mistake, friends, God's church, it's exploding in growth right now. We're seeing this in Iran and in China and in Brazil and in Northern and Western Africa. And I believe the invitation to us Western believers, to those of us specifically here in the U.S., is to get back to being and believing and doing simple church again. It's being and believing and doing what these early disciples and believers in Acts were, were doing and were all about. It says they devoted themselves. They didn't need someone to hold their hand or to persuade them or trick them or gimmick them uh, into showing up. The scriptures here say that they devoted themselves. In other words, they made the choice to do so. They took personal responsibility. And I think we would do right to follow their example and lead here. In doing so, they submitted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They weren't looking to self-help books and get-rich-quick schemes and the latest and greatest podcasts. No, they listened to their pastors and to godly men and women that the Lord appointed over them to guide them and to care for them and to shepherd them in truth and love. They also broke bread and prayed together. This is why we're doing watch parties right now, to bring people together, to break some bread and to pray. There's such power in our gatherings, in our fellowship with each other, when we come together to pray and to worship. We believe that. They were also filled with awe and experienced signs and wonders, miracles even. As a church, courageous church contends for this. We believe in signs and wonders and that God is a miracle-working God. We believe that he's still doing that today. And we desire to see that when we come together in holy fear and reverence of who he is. And we'll continue to fight for that to take place among us. It also says that they shared what they had in common and gave to those in need. We too believe that God is calling us to be a generous people, committed to abundant and extravagant generosity. Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. And we actually take him seriously on that. As a side note here, a big reason I believe the church was exploding in growth then was because people had grabbed a hold of the joy of giving, of being generous, and it changed their lives. It changed the lives of people all around them. And I can tell you from personal experience, as can many other believers that we know, that generosity is contagious and it's infectious. You start giving and it causes a ripple effect, a wave that extends out over people's lives and communities. And I believe that if we want to see that same reality in our churches today that they saw back then, we need to return to being generous givers of our time, of our talent, and of our treasure. It takes all three. They also met together in the temple and in homes. Did you catch that? They gathered in the temple and in homes. In other words, it wasn't, neither, it wasn't either or, it was both and. Many people today are being sucked into foolish arguments and quarreling over what it means to be the real or the true church in the earth. Is it meeting in buildings? Is it meeting in homes? Is it big public gatherings or small private ones? Is it doing church in a theater or in a cafe or a school? And many are getting sucked into battling this false dichotomy when the truth is it's actually both and. The early church did both. They met in temple courts and synagogues and public places 
and they met in homes, kind of like we're doing right now. And when the church couldn't gather publicly, they gathered privately. And when they couldn't gather privately in homes, they gathered secretly, meaning that the church has always found a way to be the church. And by the grace of God, I want to declare this over us today. We will too. Amen? So don't get pulled into argumentative, uh, into argumentative camps on this issue. The church can do both. And where it can't, we'll pray for her liberation and we'll take courage knowing that even amidst her persecution, she can and will thrive and flourish in Jesus' name. We believe that about the church. Amen. And then finally, it says that God was adding to their number daily those that were being saved. People of God, I want to encourage you. Jesus is building his church. And the gates of death and Hades and hell cannot prevail against it. Because Jesus is building it. Even when you and I don't feel particularly useful or effective in our own efforts to share good news or make a difference, we can take great comfort in this, in knowing that Jesus is still at work. Through the power of his spirit that's, that's being poured out on people all throughout the earth, he's still building his church. And he's inviting us into what he's doing, not the other way around. Today, I want to encourage you to not just get connected, but to get committed. As Pastor Lee points out in his book, and I really like this, in our world today, we are connected to almost everything, but committed to very little of it. Can I say that again? We are connected to almost everything, but committed to very little of it. Because we have choices and access to information and opportunities, it provides the illusion, the camouflage that we don't really need the church or a community. After all, we can listen to a great podcast or read a book or even worship in our own cars without being a part of the local church. It's not until we actually find ourselves in crisis or lonely that we realize how important a community of believers truly is. When something in our life is broken or suffering, that is when we typically look for help. In those moments, we need more than a great podcast. We need the dialogue of, of other d disciples and friends and, and leaders and people that will challenge us to grow and flourish the way God intends us to. So what do these people look like? Well, Acts chapter 2, once again, provides us some great clues. Number one, we need leaders to speak into our lives. God has given the gift of leadership to the church in order to bring us to a place of maturity, just as he has given mothers and fathers and older siblings to the family. There is an indispensable, hear me on this, an indispensable deposit that a leader makes into a life that cannot be substituted. When we listen to leaders, their ceiling their ceiling becomes our floor as we won't have to repeat the mistakes they made and we can glean and learn from their wisdom. That's why we need leaders. Biblically, we see this in how God appoints apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip the saints, that's you and me, for the work of ministry. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4. And next week, we're going to look at that even more closely. I'm also excited to say that my long-term friend and brother in the faith, Pastor Garrett Prechtel, will be joining us from Venue Church in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, to bring a great word on this very subject. And so I won't give too much away, but we need leaders to speak into our lives. Number two, we need friends with whom we can do life together. Close friendships are so valuable and they're built on similar values and experiences. One of the greatest gifts that God gives us is the gift of friendship. Oftentimes, we view church as an event that we go to or attend instead of a community that we belong to. 
And the sad truth is this, when we only see the church as a place we go to once a week and our real friendships are rooted in other things, we miss out on what it means to truly be in fellowship with each other. As it turns out, the phrase one another is used 59 times in the New Testament to describe how we are called to interact as fellow members of the household of God. Some of these instructions are for dealing with difficulties that happen, and they will. But the rest of them are actual reminders of how badly we need one another and how much we actually benefit from doing life together. Number three, we need those to whom we can bring life. For every follower of Jesus, we must realize that we are called by God to make disciples. It's so easy right now, and and it has been, to become self-focused and only think about our own needs. But we were created not just to receive, come on, but to give. Too often, we get caught up in asking, what's in it for me, when we should be asking, what's in me for others? Did you hear that? When we read the book of Acts, as we just did, we discover that the earliest followers of Jesus partnered, excuse me, patterned their life after Jesus. And in doing so, they demonstrated and revealed to people all around them how to apprentice Jesus the way they did. Can I let you in on a little dirty little secret? There's no shortcuts. It takes time. It takes a process. It takes trust. It takes dying to self. But this is what we're called to, to bring life to other people. Amen? And finally, number four, we need difficult people whom God uses to refine our lives. I know this last point is not very popular, but it's still true. How many of you would say out there that you have people in your life that bug you or irritate you? Yeah, more than you'd probably like to admit, huh? How many of them challenge you to tame your tongue or even get a hold of your temper? The truth is this, God will use difficult people in our lives to refine us. Rick Warren says the point of marriage is not happiness, but holiness, and I agree with him. I think that also applies to other relationships in our lives as well. The point of God using difficult people or people with whom you often disagree is to refine you and mature you and to grow you because the truth is we usually don't grow all that much from listening to people with whom we only agree. We see this happen a lot on social media, don't we? When we only listen to people that we agree with, it creates an echo chamber that only reinforces our own values and opinions and beliefs, which may or or may not be correct. In reality, and as it pertains to our personal growth, we need to clash with others and consider other viewpoints and perspectives from time to time. It's actually a healthy thing. It's a good thing to do. As long as we, of course, can be respectful and civil and kind with our attitudes and words. The truth is this. There is no perfect community, and there is no perfect church. The minute that you and I showed up, it ceased being that a long time ago. But I believe this, that God will use difficult people to teach us how to love and forgive and reconcile with each other. After all, that's the message in the ministry he's given to us. Amen? In conclusion, I believe we need all these kinds of people in our lives, and as the church, the community of God. We need each other. As I always say, we can't do this thing called life alone. We need leaders and friends and disciples and difficult folks to help us become all that God has created us to become. And I believe that as the church, we can and will flourish when we fight for our common unity together 
as one. Let me pray for you today. Maybe you've been watching and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus right now. The good news is that he's already said yes to you. Maybe you're watching today and at one time or another you followed Jesus and maybe you used to gather with other people. Uh, Maybe you were connected to a body of believers, but now you've allowed yourself to become disconnected or cut off from the body. I want to pray for you that God would strengthen you and reconnect you to people, people that will love you and pray with you and worship with you and challenge you and encourage you. We also want to help with that as a church. For those of you that have never said yes to Jesus, I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. And it goes like this, Jesus, Savior, save me. Save me from myself. Save me from the things that have me bound. I believe and confess that you are the Son of God, the Messiah. I believe that you died on that cross for me and that God raised you to life again, even though I may not understand it yet. Jesus, I ask that you would give me a new life of freedom and hope and faith in you. Come fill me with your Holy Spirit and make all things new. And for those of you that are watching that are feeling just disconnected right now, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would come in right now in this moment, just strengthen you with his power, that he would reconnect you to the body where you can flourish with other people again. I pray that you would sense and feel that draw upon your heart today, that you would respond and follow him where he wants to lead you once again. And we pray both those things in Jesus' name. Amen. You just pray to either of those prayers with us. We want to know about your decision today. That's important to us. For those that just said yes to Jesus, we want to say, welcome to the family. Come on, welcome to the community of the redeemed. We'd love to help you get connected either here at Courageous Church or wherever you're watching from. We'd love to help with that. You can go to CourageousChurch.com to fill out a digital connect card. This will help our team know how to best follow up with you and pray for you. We believe in the power of prayer. and We'd love to do that in the days ahead. We also want to help you as you begin your new faith journey and taking what we like to call next steps. For those of you that are local here in the Salt Lake Valley, one of the best things that you can do right now is to jump into one of our watch parties at our website, CourageousChurch.com slash watch parties. We've posted different links to different parties that you can be a part of. As I said, God wants you to flourish with others. As always, Courageous Church is your home church. We want to remind you to be a generous giver. Your generosity allows us to reach other people with the hope and healing and courage and life of God. It allows us to further and advance God's mission for the people of Salt Lake City, the Mountain West, and beyond. And if you want to be a part of what God is doing with this church to make a big difference, you can use one of the links that we've posted right there in the comment section or just head on over to CourageousChurch.com to give online. Finally, we've posted some different links to various upcoming public gatherings that we'll be doing and have been doing all throughout the summer. If you're local, we'd love to see you and connect with you. Our next Worship in the Park event is actually this weekend, that Sunday, or today if you're watching this on Sunday, July 19th at 4 p.m. at Flat Iron Mesa Park in Sandy. You can bring a lawn chair. We'll have some tasty desserts for the whole family. There's a great big open field, a big grass field where the kids can come together and play soccer and games. It's going to be great. We'd also like to encourage you to bring a friend. On behalf of Pastor Candice, my amazing wife and our team, we want you to know that we love you. We are praying for you. You are God's masterpiece. You are his best. So remember, be strong and courageous. We'll see you soon.
Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.